All right, speaking of baseball, we're going to bring in an expert on Gonzaga mm -hmm. baseball, Greg Talbot. This is Chris and Connor. How you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, I assume you guys are still in Spokane today. I'm, uh, I'm on the road. I'm driving down to San Francisco for a concert because this is the first time we've had live music back in a freaking year and a half. So I'm driving down to a concert. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like 100 degrees outside of Reading. Uh, but I just, you know, as nice as Spokane is this time of year, I just had to get out of town to have some live music again. It's totally understandable in this time of year. <laughs> yeah. What concert are you seeing? Uh, Dawes. They're not a big band. They're from Los Angeles. They're kind of like a modern Tom Petty, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, okay. Jackson Brown. But they put on a great live show. And, uh, and I'm from San Francisco, so I can go see some family, crash with some friends, watch a little live music out near Santa Cruz. It's going to be a good weekend. You know why else is going to be a good weekend is because Gonzaga's playing in the regionals. Finally, <laughs> we knew it was coming. It was very upsetting because they didn't get the regional berth that we thought they were going to get. But it, it's over. It's fine. They're playing. We know the regional. Uh, they have LSU, Central Connecticut, and Oregon. What do you think of this regional? What do you, how tough do you think it is? We all know it's tough. How tough do you think it is? What chances do you think they have? Yeah, it's, it's a tough regional because Central Connecticut State, I don't think anyone is overly worried about. LSU was, a, as you guys might have talked about already, was a team that was going into last weekend in the SEC championships. Uh, they were supposed to be on the bubble, and a lot of people kind of had them on the wrong side of the bubble. So the fact they were able to grab a three-seed at large, having been eliminated, I think, in the first round of the SEC tournament, was kind of a surprise. But the SEC got, like, what, seven regional hosts. So obviously... Mm. It was a big year for baseball in the South. Gonzaga knows Oregon really well. Uh, we'll talk about this, but I'm actually more interested in the internal dynamics of Gonzaga going into this weekend than I am about the other three teams in the bracket. You guys know what I mean? Uh, I think you're talking maybe about the injuries of the team or maybe the rotation. Yeah, they're going yeah. I, 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 well, they go, they go hand in hand, don't they? I'm talking mm -hmm. about the injuries and I'm talking about the pitching staff. So, Obviously, people who are listening to this show probably know the, the format of college baseball postseason, which is it's a double elimination, and there's a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket. And if you go to the loser's bracket, it's almost impossible to get out because I think you have to win, what, three more games in two days, usually against teams you already lost to. So if you start in the loser's bracket, it's brutal. So Gonzaga, let's be honest, uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since Gabriel Hughes got hurt going into that COVID pause. And Gonzaga has looked on game two and game three of their series really bad the last two weekends, basically when anybody except Alec Jacob was pitching. So LSU is interesting. Oregon is interesting. The most interesting thing about this weekend is whether or not Hughes is back in for Saturday. Because if he's not, Gonzaga is going to have a really tough time. So if he if he's not there, who do you think they're going to go with? I know they've tried to throw out a couple people, and, and it really just hasn't worked the way not they wanted really it stuck, to. Not that's really stuck, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously Nico Zeglin got hurt, unfortunately, last time they played Oregon, and he'd been having a pretty good season, especially as a starting pitcher. Uh, but Kempner, and he, he struggled the last two Saturdays, and Gonzaga struggled the last two Sundays, like – Unfortunately, without Gabriel Hughes, I mean, you guys watched those games, Chris. I mean, you directed those on our WCC Network broadcast. Like, when, when it's the last two weeks, when it's not Alec Jacob throwing, 
Gonzaga gave up big amounts of I mean, pretty significant runs, uh, certainly out of the starting spots, and the bats just did not show up. Connor, this guy's a professional. In the middle of this, he plugs the WCC network. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> he announces for. <laughs> what, like, what a professional. <laughs> so we, uh, we get the pleasure of talking to Brett Harris, who's, who's coming up in a little bit on the show. And he's been outstanding all year. But in the last couple of games, the bats haven't really been working. Do you think that's going to be a problem coming into this weekend, or do you think they're going to be able to turn it around? funny though because it's not that the bats weren't working when Alec Jacob was pitching like that's the thing that has been flummoxing like SAT word about the last couple of weeks which is the bats show up on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday you know when, when they get down early the bats just kind of you know they look sluggish so I don't think it's going to be a problem on on Friday but I don't know how much you guys dove in to LSU starting pitcher that guy is every bit the pitcher Alec Jacob is I think he mm-hmm. didn't give up a what was it? He didn't give up an earned run in like the first 32 innings he pitched this year for LSU. Yeah. The guy's mm-hmm. an absolute monster. So, uh, Zach is going to be able to hit, but again, like, I mean, I would put my money on Gonzaga to win on game one on Friday. I, I would take Gonzaga to beat LSU, but then all bets are off. You know what I mean? So I, 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 I don't think they're going to have to worry about their bats this first game, but for some reason, you know, the, the bats just haven't shown up on Friday and Saturday recently. So, Really, it's the second and third games that are going to be more interesting. But I still think Gonzaga's got the advantage here in game one against the Tigers. I mean, that's good to hear that someone has a – that you have that outlook for Gonzaga right now. Um, going into this weekend, I know we've only got that one game against Oregon this year so far due to COVID uh, kind of throwing the schedule out of loop. Do you think once – say we get past LSU, what is the kind of outlook going into Oregon, especially if we have to play – two to three games, like we were talking about with the pitchers, it just kind of puts us behind. What do you think about that yeah, situation? I, I think the outlook's pretty good considering Gonzaga got to play Oregon, and even though the last time they lo- they, did, they played them, they lost, which was a couple Tuesdays ago. They were up 3 mm. nothing, then gave up 10 unanswered. But Gonzaga did really well against the Pac-12 this year. They, they beat mm. UW. They, I think they beat Oregon. They, they beat other Power 5 schools. They swept Wazoo. So, like – Gonzaga has a better track record against the Pac-12 than any other team not in the Power Five on the West Coast this year. So I think the outlook is, is pretty good. The, the, the issue with the Oregon team is they do have pitching depth. Mm. They have not only three really good starters, but they kind of wrote from what I read. They can kind of rotate those guys. Like the, all three of those guys I've read have pitched Friday, Saturday, or Sunday this year. So not only are they a talented three-headed monster, but they're kind of plug-and-play. So, you know, there are college baseball teams where the number two guy is the solid number two because he's the second best, and the three guy is the three guy because he's the third best. Oregon's pitching is consistent, which bodes well for them, just generally. We're talking with Greg Talbot, the WCC play-by-play announcer for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Now let's look past LSU really quick and talk about the pitching a little more. Would it be worth going with uh, an opener like Spellacy for maybe the next game, or did, should they just try one of these pitchers that have really been struggling? That's exactly what I was going to say. So we have seen pretty consistently, Chris, over the course of the season, when a guy just shows up as a starter and doesn't have it, and they yank him in the third because he gave up four runs, who do they go to? It's always 
it's always Michael Spellacy in that spot. He is their go-to middle and long reliever. I think if you want to try to attack game two by doing something like, if you win game one and you go Jacob and then maybe Tristan Vreeling, who seems to be the number the, the number one Friday night reliever the last couple of weeks, if you wanted to go Spellacy and just say, hey, we're going to try to have you go four and then assign two or three relievers in advance the rest of the way, that seems just as good a, an option to me as, as throwing – uh, Kempner out there who just had a really hard time the last couple of Saturdays. I think two Saturdays ago he got yanked in the fourth, and then last in the second and last Friday he got yanked in the third. So I think Spellacy would not be a bad option. So who's your player to watch for Gonzaga? Who's your key player for them to get through this regional? Well, obviously for for Friday it's it's Alec Jacob. Uh, in the lineup, uh, I I have been so pleasantly surprised and not surprised is the wrong word because, but. I've been pleasantly uh, pleased, I guess, with how, how good Ernie Yake uh, has been since he came back from that injury. Uh, he's still hitting like over 350 this year as the leadoff hitter, and the last two weekends since he got back, not only has he been getting on base a couple times a game with hits, but he also hit a homer on like a first pitch bottom of the first uh, mm. homer against USF two weeks ago. So he's aggressive at the plate. And he's consistently getting on base. Like, no one gets on base as much as Brett Harris, obviously. And I haven't run the numbers, but I would think over the course of the last three weekend series, uh, Ernie Yake has gotten on base at as good a clip as anyone else in that starting lineup. And if they can get a guy on base to start the game and get that really solid one through seven uh, batting order going, I think Yake is going to need a catalyst for a lot of that. Okay, so these, does Gonzaga come out of this regional? What do you think? I, I don't think I don't think it's fair to make me answer that question until I know the status of game. So let's go. Let's go to it. So without Gabriel Hughes, and then with Gabriel. With, 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 without Gabriel Hughes, Gonzaga wins against LSU and then drops two games in, uh, on the back end to get bounced. If they have Gabe Hughes. I think they beat LSU. Gosh, and I, I think there's a good chance they beat Oregon if he's in there. So, yeah, I, I think Gonzaga advances if Gabe is in the lineup. If Gabe's not in the lineup, I think they beat LSU and then get bounced. Greg, thanks for joining us. And let's go Zags. Of course, guys. It's a great day to be a Zag, always. Yeah, mm -hmm. enjoy your concert. <laughs>